to a new episode of Soul Kitchen. Today I'm talking with Jacqueline Wei, the founder of 365 Give, an initiative to encourage people to give and to be happy. And um, it has spread towards a global movement. And um, Jacqueline and I are actually in the same WhatsApp group with people that are active in the field of happiness. So that's how we met. But it's the first time that we're meeting in person today or in, in on the screen. So how are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you? So happy to be here with you. I'm I'm good. I um yeah, I just watched your your TED talk actually, where you Thank shared you. about the humble beginnings of your project and then it spread globally. So can you share a bit more about your 365 gift? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And I love the um, name of your podcast um, because mm-hmm. I, as a mother, you know, the soul is is through our kitchen and how we nurture each other in life. And so I love that that you're doing that for the worlds um, around us. So thank you so much. And so, you know, 365 Give uh, is actually my charitable organization that I started with my son many years ago now. And it actually started as a personal parenting project. Um, my son, my actually all of my kids are adopted and the beautiful opportunity of going through the adoption process is it's a bit like going through marriage counseling before you get married and you're asked a million questions that you have to answer with a social worker. They want to make sure that you're going to be a fit and appropriate parent for a child. And so that beautiful process really helps you dig into who you want to be as a parent, what type of parent, your expectations um, for your children and, and your hopes and dreams. And one of the questions that came up for me in that process was, you know, what's your expectations for your children? And, you know, we know for many parents is, you know, I I want them to have a good education. I I want them to go to university. You know, I want them to have a successful life. And my answer to the question was very simple. I want my child to be happy, kind, compassionate, considerate, loving human being. And so when we we had the opportunity to adopt an 11-week little boy, and he came into our lives, two beautiful things happened. And one, the moment that I met my son was the moment that I truly experienced unconditional love for another human life on this planet. And that changes you when you understand that you can love a, another human being that's not born from me unconditionally. I didn't know what his race was. I didn't know what he was going to look like. I didn't know his background, nothing. And none of it mattered. It opened up a world of possibility that just maybe unconditional love is possible for everyone on this planet. And so when my son turned three years old and just before he started his school years here in Canada, right around the age of three is when you start preschool, I wanted to make sure that I was 
doing what I really expected of my son. And that was how do I grow a kind, compassionate, loving little human being? So I thought we're going to start this little project. And we were going to do one thing to give back to the world every day for 365 days. And it had to be so simple, a three-year-old could do it. And that was the whole concept of 365 Give. I had come from a philanthropic background. It had been my business for years. Um, I was a fundraiser in the not-for-profit sector. And I thought this is something that was possible that we could do together. And so along with it, I started a blog just for our friends and family to follow along. And we were just going to share that giving story every day. You know, in the back of my mind, I had a simple hope that if our stories were read by at least one person and we inspired one person to give back in their own life and their own worlds, then we had created a little ripple effect of giving. Uh, And so there was no intention of doing anything more than that. Um, But over the course of our 365 days of giving, we were very blessed that um, people from all over the world started following along and they were inspired to give because of my son, Nick. And that's how it all started. And very shortly after our 365 days of giving, actually, this is the fun part of the story I like to share is that on day 365, uh, my second son, adopted son came home and the really beautiful part of that. And, you know, the saying goes is, you know, when you give, you get, uh, we never anticipated that my first son's best birthday present in the world would be, uh, would be a brother. And you can't plan that stuff in adoption. It just, you have to let it unfold. So day 365 give or day 365 was when my second son came home. And about a year later we started, um, an education program. Uh, A teacher friend of mine had come to me and she said, how do I take what you did and bring it to the classroom? I didn't know I wasn't a teacher, but together along with the principal of her school, who has been the chair of my board for over a decade now, um, we created an education program that we piloted in their school along, along with a few other schools. And today that educational program has been implemented in over 500 schools globally. And uh, amazes us every month. People keep joining, and um, teachers want to see how they can implement a simple practice of giving into their classrooms every day. And and our and it's expanded globally on all levels. Families have joined us, individuals have joined us, businesses have joined us, um, and we continue to grow this global giving movement um, all across the world, which we feel so blessed by. That's a beautiful story and um one of the things that you were telling that i never heard before is that when you adopt someone that someone asks you a few questions that make you more hundreds of questions or aware yes. yeah, like lots of questions that's the first time that i i know about it so mm-hmm. can you elaborate a bit more what that process has done with you yeah absolutely you know i think i think the beautiful process of adoption for our parents versus Um, you know, giving birth to a child is obviously you and your partner, when you choose to give birth, you know, it's like, okay, we're off to the races, let's make a baby. Mm-hmm. And the, the, you know, you and I started this conversation out as what was our intention for this conversation today. And I think that's the beautiful part of the adoption process is you go in with such clear intention. And every step that you take through the adoption journey has to be so intentional with an end result that you are um, very clear uh, 
and about your intention to become a parent in this world. And so you get great clarity on that. You go through a very long process. For us, it was an eight and a half month process um, till we brought our son home, which actually in the frame of things is very short for most adoptive parents. And every step that you take, the interview process takes you through lots of questions together as a couple. And then they break you up separately and you answer lots of questions individually as well so that you become so clear on every aspect of parenting. And you answer questions that normally you wouldn't have even have thought about. You know, whether it's finances, schooling, um, you know, your your clarity on who you want to be as a parent, how you're going to show up for your child when you have challenges, how you're going to face those both individually and together. Um, so it really uh, gives you that time to get very clear, not only in your head about your parenting, but really from your heart and that you are all in no matter what happens because the reality of adoption and our adoption process was not a private adoption process we were adopting through what's called the ministry of children and family services so these are the children that many of them are either abandoned at birth or they are given up at some point or taken away from their parents um, at, at some point and some age. And so they're, they're children that before they've even started with you, they've been through a lot of trauma in their life in one way or another. And so how are you going to approach that? How are you going to deal with that? How are you going to um, accept your child for exactly where they've come from and who they are, no matter what? Mm, I see. So it's a very intentional process compared to maybe if you... Absolutely. Maybe make a child uh, without this mm-hmm. adoption mm-hmm. so you said you wanted uh, kind loving compassionate and happy uh, children and then you start this initiative and what was your core intention you know it's interesting because our core intention is not any different it's only grown in its in its depth and knowledge and breadth so our mission has always been to change the world one give one day at a time Mm-hmm. And it's still that because what we have learned about giving is that not only when we give, we are obviously affecting another living, and I say living creature because our giving is not just about giving to people, but it's also about how can we give to animals and how can we give to planet. So it's really how can we give back to the world around us in a way that works for the individual. Some people are not comfortable helping the homeless or helping each other. You know, the interaction between humans is a little more uncomfortable. And and that's the gift my children give me is that I have some children that social interaction is a little bit more challenging for them because they have neural differences. Um, And so what we know is that the best way for them to give is to actually have the interaction with animals or the planet. Mm. And so that's the best way for them to give back to the world that feels comfortable for them um, and makes them the happiest. My children are the greatest gift that way. They show me what works for everyone in their own differences. And so that's really part of our initiative is, and the second part is, is we're not random. You know, we all have heard about random acts of kindness and to go out and, and do random acts of kindness. We're not random. And that's really what makes us different from everyone else is, and I love that you and I, we keep talking about intention. To me, what we do is an intentional 
mindful practice to make a contribution to the world around us, which in turn makes a contribution to each and every one of us. Because the positive effects of giving and research and science tells us now is that every time we can go out into the world and give with no intention of anything in return. So there's not an exchange. The exchange actually happens by nature. And it's the same exchange that goes on with a forest. Um, and so the forest, for example, there's a beautiful interaction that happens with a forest, both above ground and underground, where a forest feeds each other. The insects and the forest intertwine together to make a natural bioatmosphere that works together. Well, when we give, the same thing happens that when we give out to the world and we're giving from an intention of heart um, and how we can make a contribution, this beautiful physical reaction happens in an every human being. So we say it's the common thread that runs through every human being because you get what we call your daily dose of happiness. And giving actually makes us physically better, mentally better. It increases our well-being. It increases our happiness all naturally. You don't have to do everything. And we get this beautiful fire and wire in our body, I, I call it. And this daily dose of happiness is dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and our endorphins. And this is the chemical reaction that's going on in our bodies. And we don't even realize it other than that we can, when we take the time to recognize emotionally how we're feeling, we'll be able to use our emotional EQ and really dig in to see how is giving making me feel? Well, dopamine is our reward system in our body. So when you give, you're going to automatically feel this little surge of reward that, yes, I've done something really beautiful and good in my day. And oxytocin, well, that's, I'm going to keep it simple. Oxytocin does a lot in our bodies, but oxytocin is what's been deemed our love hormone. So that's when you hug another person or, you know, you kiss another person, you have an exchange of love. That's oxytocin surging through our body. It also, oxytocin is now proven to increase our life longevity um, and actually make us feel younger. Uh, we, we, you know, you could also call it that, that um, fountain of youth in our own body. Uh, serotonin is our happiness transmitter that makes us feel calm. It helps our regulation in our body. It calms us down and makes us feel happier. And our last one is our endorphins. And for those people that are runners or like to work out, you'll know this one. Endorphins are that little surge of energy that you get. Makes you feel like you could keep going or overcome the world almost. And so this is this beautiful natural reaction that happens through every single human being when you give. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, where humans came from, whatever you believe built us and how we evolved through the human experience and became human beings, whether that's a God source, a force, a one mind or an evolutionary process that was built into us, which is fascinating to me that every human being has that built into their bodies that we're actually naturally built to give. Mm. That's really insightful. So you're saying that when you give, it's your daily dose of happiness and a fountain of youth and, and several benefits. Mm -hmm. oh, you can give to animals, people, or planet. But if you zoom in into this people part, is the psychology mm -hmm. the same for the giver as for the receiver, or is there a slight difference? You know what? There's a beautiful exchange, which is wonderful. You know, when when you give unconditionally, I'm, I'm going to go back to that and the beautiful lesson my kids have given me about unconditional um, love and exchange is when you give unconditionally, the feeling that we get that daily dose of happiness, so does the receiver. 
as long as they're open to receiving. We also know that sometimes people are not interested, right? And that's okay, you know. Um, you know, a lot of times, and I'm going to say rarely with, let's say, a homeless person, but, you know, sometimes you want to give or help your friends or the people in your life, and they're not open to that receiving. And so the exchange happens when it's an equal exchange of giving and receiving. And when both people are open to that exchange, when you're talking about giving back to the planet or giving back to the animal, that's always reciprocal because there aren't those barriers, those boundaries, that fear, that resistance. There isn't that exchange with nature and animals. That's why it's usually a little easier giving back to our planet and and to animals. They don't have this prefrontal cortex that human beings have that create a different exchange but when we can begin to receive in the same way that someone wants to give that's where the beautiful exchange happens it's really fascinating so actually giving to animal planet is sometimes easier so how is the psychology psychology of fear for receiving what makes it difficult for certain people to receive yeah that's that's a really great question you know i think that um It's hard, you know, it's like somebody gives you a compliment. Let's use that example where I say to you, Jasper, I love that shirt you're wearing. It's fabulous. And <laughs> and you kind of you kind of blow it off, right? And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, my you know, I picked it up at a store. It, like, and you kind of blow that off. So rather than with intention, you just look at me and you say thank you. Right? That's that's a thank way you. of receiving, right? And the challenge goes is that our worthiness of ourselves. For so many human beings, we don't feel worthy of receiving. So our heart isn't open to that receiving because we don't actually feel worthy of it. We don't feel enough in our lives. So it takes a lot for us to literally just, whether it's say thank you, or I use the word because I'm that I'm that person who have has always had a hard time receiving because I give so much. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have a hard time receiving. And I've had to learn to use the word thank you received so that I feel that whole that whole exchange going on because I know that that exchange not only benefits me, but it, it benefits the person that's giving to me. And so that's actually a practice that I've had to take on is I want both of us to have that beautiful exchange because if not, I'm putting a boundary of receiving on my heart. And I want to really have that exchange, that heartfelt exchange. And so what we know about this as well, and there's an organization called the HeartMath Institute, who I've been doing work with, is that we it can now be measured. So the frequency, the energetic frequency of your heart can now be measured. And so if you want to actually have an exchange with someone, you need to be able to receive when someone's giving and both ways is that exchange has to happen for you both to benefit that energetic exchange from heart to heart. And that actually physically can happen between you both. And that doesn't have to be just you and I, like you and I can do it right now in this moment. We don't have to be directly in person. That energy can be felt um, through a Zoom or through a conversation as well. So when you fully receive, you also help the giver feel good. Absolutely. That's a good uh, takeaway. And I was curious in terms of if someone wants to participate in your project, wants to give, Mm -hmm. uh, do you select projects that people can give to? Or are you more offering a philosophy that people implement themselves? 
Yeah, it's really a it's really a philosophy of life. What we do is we have a call it a methodology kind of that we go by. And one of the things that um, we don't do, and so for those of you listening, we don't tell you how to do it. Because what I learned from my three year old was that I really needed him to take the lead. I needed him to feel empowered. I for this to actually work is you need to take a look around your life and your world. You need to do what works for you. Because somebody that lives in India, right, and the experience of walking down a street in India is very different than where I live in Vancouver right now. I don't have a lot of opportunities where I am here in Vancouver, where I live in Vancouver. I can't go out my door and bump into a homeless person. I don't have many homeless people where I live directly. I would have to drive with intention to go help homeless people. So if I want to step out my door today, I need to take a look around my world. Where can I make an impact? I live not far from the ocean. I'm a regular runner. What I know is every time I go down to that ocean, I can pick up garbage. There's always an opportunity to pick up garbage. Um, and I look for other opportunities that I can help. So what can I do for my neighbors today? What can I do for the, the birds in my yard? We're in a bit of a drought right here in, right now in Vancouver. We haven't had rain in ages. So I'm making sure I've got water of available to the birds in my yard right now. So I look for those little opportunities every day where I can make a difference right in my, I always say right in your own backyard, start with right in your own backyard where you can make that difference. You know, with our kids, we grow a lot of flowers in our gardens to help foster our bee and butterfly community to help the pollination in our world. So that's another place that I really foster and connect with nature is right in my own backyard. And how can I support the world around me and foster that, that pollination, you know, right right in my own backyard. So and I spent obviously a lot of time volunteering myself. So I would say, go look in your own backyard, look around. How can you make that contribution where you are before? Because we're not about money. Like our 365 give is not about money. If you want to give money, absolutely give money, but look for the opportunities in our life because we're about including everyone. So we look at where are, the, where are the places people are getting stuck and how can we reduce those barriers of participation in your own life? And we want you to feel empowered. So we teach about the, the power of giving. We teach about how it empowers not only the world around us, but how it, how it positively affects you. We inspire. So we've got ideas, 365. We got an idea for you for every day of the year so that you're not getting stuck. You can, you can sign up to get a, a daily idea sent into your inbox every single day of the year. Uh, and, and as you know, you can go to our blog and continue to find ideas. Our volunteers write um, on our blog. And so we have ideas going on all of the time um, that never stop. And because we think really the ideas are endless. It's all the way you look at it. And last but not, but not least, we're really about empowering you to go out and find what works for you. So you set the intention, you set your heart, and you go out and you open your eyes. You look around your world to find your opportunities to give every day. And what is, um, uh, I think, what is innovative that you make giving a daily practice? Because when I think about giving, initially, I, I'm thinking, like, can I volunteer somewhere? or sit in the board of foundation immediately becomes this big idea. Big commitment, yeah. And then sometimes at a daily basis, you're like, oh, I'm too busy. You know, someone, a homeless person selling a newspaper, you're like, you're too busy. So at a practical, no, I have two questions. So one, um, 
can you a bit share a bit more about this phenomenon that I just shared? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, where did we start with this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, we did it as a daily habit, right? So it was something simple we could do close to home. And what we know is it, what I've learned since then are a couple of things is first of all, you know, people are, and we are people of, you know, human beings. Uh, we are people of ritual, right. And habits. And so what we know is that for most people creating a habit in your life, the average, and people think it's 21 days, it's actually 61 days. Okay. For the average person to create a new habit. And because this is a happiness habit, it's a well-being habit. It's a life purpose and meaning habit. is it's going to take at least 60 days. And then once you get this habit going to kind of open your eyes, open your perspective, open your heart to the world, you will find that these opportunities to give will come into your life. They do for me, honestly, every day. Um, so what the difference is, is that when you start giving every day, first of all, you can't tell me we have this beautiful device that we all carry around with us. And this is your opportunity to give right here. So if you have 30 seconds in your day to care about the outside world and to care about yourself and your own happiness and peace of mind and well-being, you have time to give every day. Could you send a note of gratitude via text, via WhatsApp, via Telegram, whatever those are, could you send a positive message to someone in your life or a note of gratitude every single day? If you have time to do that, you have time to give every day. Do you use social media? If you post on social media, you have an opportunity to give every day because you can create an algorithm on your own social media of positivity and love. How are you sending that out to everyone you touch on your social platforms every day? You have an opportunity. So if you're posting, here's your opportunity right there. You also have an opportunity to go and spread positivity. Who are you liking? Who are you shouting out? Um, you know, who are you sharing? What messages are you sharing with the world? Those are all opportunities to give. So if you're sitting on your phone for, and we know the average person sits on their phone doing pretty mindless things for about two hours a day, you have an opportunity to give every day as well. Could you go and spend two minutes and give a business that you visited that day uh, a positive Google review? Right. The, the, the options are endless. So if you have one of these, which is almost everybody on the planet now, I think it's, you know, 65% of people carry one of these, you have an opportunity to give. It doesn't have to be exorbitant amounts of time. It's how can you find that two or three minutes in a day to give. If you don't have two or three minutes in your day to take care of the world, and most importantly, knowing now this takes care of yourself, this is where humanity is getting stuck, that we're not making the time for our personal well-being. We're not taking time to take care of the world around us. And why eventually, sorry to say it, but climate change is now telling us we're not unfortunately going to have a planet to actually live on anymore. So if you haven't got two minutes to pick up garbage in the day, if you haven't got two minutes to recycle in a day, compost, whatever those things are, then you know why our world is in the exact place that we have. If 7 billion people do one small thing to give every day, take two minutes out of their life to make someone else feel better, to make our planet feel better, an animal feel better, then don't don't wonder why our world is where it's at today. I, I see. So you've given some examples, even on social media, you can share Absolutely. certain uh, content or you can send people texts. And what type of people uh, have you attracted mostly that actually participate in this? 
Well, you know what? It's really what we know is that it's millennials. It's millennials and and Zoomers, um, I think is the new term. Uh, And so it's really that 18 to 45 range. Mm -hmm. And that's where we also see and research now tells us is that that age range, they're the new caring, compassionate, intentional, purposeful group of people, you know, unfortunately, whether I like it or not, and I'm, I'm on the edge of the boomer um, generation is we're really the ones that um, cause the damage in our world. And, and, you know, the younger generations are the one that's got to come and clean it up for us. So we're really seeing that 18 to 45, 50 year old range that really care. They're the ones that will choose the job for less pay to work for a company that actually um, makes positive change in the world, right? That has what's called a corporate social responsibility program. They deeply care for our world. And they're the ones that are also, they're buying organic. They bring their bags to the store. They're making contributions. They're volunteering. They're doing all of these things to now create that new paradigm, that conscious awareness group of people that know that we're not going to make it in this world unless we stick stick together and we make that, that change that our world needs. So between people between 18 and 45, and then you have these educational programs. Do you also have company yeah. programs? We do. Um, so, you know, some, we, we know that anybody can come together and, and give. Um, you know, we're just about to make a big change in our website. Um, but, you know, obviously education is our first and foremost important um, place uh, for us because we know that when we teach kids to give, it changes their perspective in life it changes their tract in life they're more successful they have more successful they have more success in school it helps their brains work better they're happy in their life it increases their mental health you know one of the biggest struggles for kids these days and when i say kids this is all anyone attending school from primary up through university is that covid from a mental health perspective it really did them in they've struggled a lot um, their mental health has actually decreased by 25 percent since covid So right now, the world's greatest pandemic is actually mental health and people, the struggles people are having with stress and anxiety and depression. So we know that when we really look at targeting and implementing this program in schools, we're contributing to the well-being of the next generation. Um, But, you know, you can join as an individual. You can also join as a family. Um, We promote it for businesses because what we know is that happy people are more successful. Happy Mm. people have a more meaningful life and and a life of well-being. We know that people's brains work better. They're regulated better. We're more creative, right? All of these beautiful things happen when your system and your body is regulated. Mm. No, it it, it feels great. I actually feel with this podcast when I can contribute to sharing these stories, it also feels like Mm -hmm. a way of giving. Absolutely. yeah, it's not always rationally. I can't always rationally explain it, but yeah, sometimes these these conversations, yeah, they feel useful. Um, oh, completely and totally. Listen, you're giving your time and your talent. You have seen an area where you have a lot of confidence, and you want to grow your expertise, and you're using your skill and your interpersonal skills, and you're giving those away. Nobody's paying you to do this right now, so that is completely and totally um, an act of volunteerism. It's it, it's true. No, so I feel. I feel I'm giving uh, with this, and while I'm reflecting on it, I'm reflecting now out loud. It feels good when I have these conversations. It feels meaningful, 
and when people listen, I think it's useful. But a, a challenge in giving can be, so this group that we're in, everyone is giving, contributing, it feels a very abundant group. But sometimes I'm wondering how do these people uh, pay, pay their bills? And um, some people might want to turn into givers, but they might have financial constraints or they're like, I'm so busy. Um, so how can you break that, that trap or that paradigm or how, how does that work? Yeah, but I, you know, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, that it's not about money and it's not about having a lot of time. It's no. making it an intentional practice every day in your life. And listen, we know some people, I mean, they, I'm overprivileged white person, right? Um, you know, living in a country that is free and um, I have flexibility and I have free will and I have free choice. You know, I live in Canada. There's just, you know, one of the best countries in the world to live in. But if I looked at somebody who lived in Africa um, and I lived in people that live in India and other places in the world where they don't have that freedoms, what we know is that we have the freedom of even interacting with every day. If even you took the time to smile at others, that intention of smiling at other people that flips on your endorphins right away it flips it on for you and it flips it on for the person that you touch so even if you set the intention of i am going to smile at 10 people today because that's all you could do that right there is the intention of giving to others which in turn is going to return that back to you and it's going to affect everybody around you. Listen, we know that um, in certain streets in this, you know, you, let's talk about Russia, right? Lots of struggles going on with Russia and Ukraine right now. And even in Russia, one of their biggest challenges is the, is the amount of animals that don't have homes there. Uh, you know, even if in a place like Russia right now, where obviously there's a lot of challenge and not the freedoms that we have in other areas of the world, you know, taking the time to take care of an animal that lives on the street, that could be giving water, right? Every day you stop and you just put water out for animals. I mean, it's these small, simple things that you have to look around. I can't tell you what to do in your part of the world or your part of your life because I don't know. Right. I haven't experienced what you ex have experienced, Jasper. I haven't seen the world through your lens. And what we know about happiness as well is that happiness for me is very different than what happiness is for you. And what happiness is for a woman marginalized with nothing, struggling just to maybe get food on the table for her children every day is very different than the abundance and wealth that I have in my life. So we, we really try not to tell people, you know, here, go out and do this. We just really want you to put the intention of your heart out into the world because that frequency alone not only changes your frequency and it changes also the magnetic frequency and energetic frequency of the world. And that's been measured now, right? Even if you sit in, in meditation for a few minutes of, of the day from a place of compassion and kindness of love, that energy changes the magnetic frequency of the planet. And that's proven. That's science. I'm not making this up. That's not woo-woo. We can now see that, right? Studies have been done on this. I met someone uh, from an entrepreneur from New Zealand at a conference, and he's making a, the love coin. It's uh, kind of a little it. coin where he connects people that want to receive some more love so you can get a membership. And some people in um, countries, they want to make some more money. They can meditate and send love to people. So oh, these groups. So that's a beautiful uh, 
ideas. So uh, we're, we're going to have to chat about that one, and we'll talk about putting them and the HeartMath Institute together because the HeartMath Institute can now, with your phone, mm-hmm. if you download their app. Um, yes. What you can now do, they um, they have heart rate monitors you can get from them, but they've now made it possible that you can use the camera on your phone okay. to actually um, help you connect to the magnetic frequency of the planet as well. So you can get to a state of heart coherence, they call it, where your, your heart and your brain are in coherence, and that in turn helps the coherence of the planet and you can do it right through your phone. All you need is your finger on your phone and their app. And you can now create that coherence for yourself and the world as well. And it's a beautiful exchange that you can do. And they've, they've really made it possible for everyone. Wow. That's really cool. So yeah, these initiatives can be uh, connected. Absolutely. Well, we're seeing it more and more, which is the beautiful part. I mean, when I started 365 Give, none of this was around. And I love that that everyone now is coming from that place of intention um, that we can really see how we can all be part of creating the change. Listen, we all want to live in a peaceful, happy, united um, world. But yeah. the only way that that's going to happen is we all come with that. It can't just be yeah. me. It can't just be you. It can't be your coin person. It can't be heart math. It has to be each and every one of us and us finding the path that's going to work for us because it is different for everyone. And so this is my way of here's a path you can try. Give it a try. See how it works. So um, uh, you're, you're surfing. We talked about love. And I checked your, your LinkedIn profile today. What you're probably not aware of, you, you have exactly 10,000 followers as of today. No! <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> I exactly. don't check my followers, so that's no, exciting. No. Exactly 10,000. So you're inspiring uh, at that's least 10,000 through LinkedIn. And you mentioned your title says Serving Humanity with Love. And you mentioned mm-hmm. this adoption process that you made, became more conscious about parenting. But before that, you already worked in philanthropy. So can you share a bit about your own journey into philanthropy, serving humanity, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was really blessed. And if you watch my TED Talk, you you hear the story. I was very blessed that I have two parents who come from the world of service. My father being a doctor and my mother was a, a nurse, massage therapist. She's an NL, she's still today at 83, an NLP practitioner and trainer. Um, so they really taught me, I mean, their purpose in this world was coming from either, whether they got paid for it or not, to me, doesn't matter. Their purpose was, how can I serve? Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, my dad was a pivotal part of that you know we never went anywhere without a garbage bag picking up garbage like everywhere we went that man just picked up garbage that was his jam that's what he did outside of being a doctor obviously um but he picked up garbage everywhere he went he was he was a person who just showed up in service it was part of who he was and same with my mother um so that gets ingrained in you as a child and that's why we think teaching your children and showing up you know my kids they know who i am they're so clear, like where everywhere we go, we give. And my children now automatically see that opportunity, no matter where we go, um, that they will see the opportunity to give and we will stop and we will do that. If that's giving a dollar to a homeless person, uh, if it's feeding someone, buying them lunch, helping an animal, we just do it everywhere we go. And so my parents kind of set that in me as well. And when I was 25, I actually started my first business. And I was a consultant um, on uh, in the event coordination business. And I had the opportunity to kind of test it out and whether I wanted to be one of those 
event managers that did just corporate events. I could have made big money and just did those big corporate events, you know, where, you know, they plan all kinds of things. But I was really introduced at a, one of the first events I ever did was actually a fundraising event. And it was for a big bank. And we raised a lot of money in one night. We raised like $2 million in one night. At wow. this event. And I, I loved that work. And so I set the intention with my business that I was only going to do business that raised money to serve the world at large. Mm. And so I did that business for about 15 years. I ended up raising over $10 million for charitable organizations. I literally, my clients were all million and billionaires. And so I took for the rich and I gave it to the poor. I helped them direct their money, where it was going to go, how we were going to raise it. And I did that for a lot of years. So it really became, um, I want to say who, it, who I was. But what I came to realize is that it's, it's in all of us innately. It's just, do we remember that? Mm. in us it's a remembering of who we truly are and how do we bring that out in every human being i mean we are we are innately and naturally love so how do we just lead with love in our lives and that's what i've learned through this process i feel as a fundraiser you kind of um have a role to remind people that they can give right because yeah. a lot of people i mean there's a lot of money also yeah. a lot of these people want to give but you kind of invite them yes um what was your i I saw one video of Lynn Twist. I think she's the known fundraiser. Uh, have you heard about her or no? Oh. Sorry, you, can I say the name again? Lynn Twist. I think she's from Pachamama. Yes, Mama, Lynn Twist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I saw one um, video of her about how she fundraises. And um, at some point, uh, a company uh, wants to give her money, uh, but it didn't feel right for her. It felt as if they were completely greenwashing their 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 company and uh, she gave the money back she didn't accept and then the executive was very surprised um, but a few years later he resigned from that company or he retired and then he called her and then he donated money privately he said i was so impressed mm -hmm. that you rejected the company money uh, and then he gave it privately but can you share some maybe um, uh, best practices on how you fundraise or yeah how that works yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, fundraising is, you know, I, I think really what we all need to look at. And, you know, there's so many opportunities to give money and both organizationally, if you work for a company and also just coming together with your friends. You know, we know Facebook is, has given that great opportunity that for your birthday every year, they suggest that you do a fundraiser, you know, mm -hmm. for your favorite charity. And so, you know, I think, first of all, one of the decisions that we can make as individuals is especially when you're going to a new company is look at their CSR programs. What are they doing? And if they don't have one, how can you help introduce one? Because what we know is it's easier to give money when you're pooling a whole bunch of money together versus trying to just get a big donation out of a company. So, you know, that's a really a beautiful opportunity is all companies. If you have 10 employees, if we have 500 employees, how can you start coming together to really you know, pool people's money together because that makes the bigger impact, right? Um, and then how can how can people be part of that decision making? And I think that was the big one that I did with my clients is we didn't just give money. So let's take the example of everybody knows the Salvation Army, for example. Mm -hmm. We didn't just do a fundraiser. So let's say we did a golf tournament and we raised $150,000 in the golf tournament. We didn't just give the money to the Salvation Army. We actually really dig, we, we, we would dig into an organization. I'll give you the, the example that for, um, 
one client that I had and we did a, a golf tournament every year for 13 years. And we had partnered with a, a local hospital and this was a men's event. And so it wasn't here. We're just going to give the hospital money every year. We really dug in and we went, where do we want this money to go? This is a men's event. We want it to be something for men. We ended up building a prostate cancer center at the hospital specifically for men. And so this is where you can really look at, do you want to direct funds somewhere specifically? Another great one, Charity Water. Do I want to come together with my friends? Could we build a well, right, in one of the countries that they are servicing to build water wells? And so you really dig in and you look at where do we want to make that impact? How can we make the best impact together as a group? Um, and and let's, let's look at directing those funds. And the, the funds can also be, listen, I can tell you as a charity, we need money to run the back end of our, of our organizations. I need money to keep my website alive. For some mm -hmm. people, that's not very romantic, but I can't do the work I do in the world if my website is not up and running. And that costs me 600 US dollars a year. So if you want to help 365 give, donate 600 US dollars. And that's actually going to keep my programs running because I can't have a program without a website. And that goes for every charity, right? $600, that's for the hosting, right? I assume. That's just my hosting. That's just, yeah. that's not actually running the back end. That's just hosting. But for me, that's a huge comp contribution for us, right? Yeah. Is, and people forget that charities, you know, a lot of charities, they're brick and mortar, right? They have to house their staff. I mean, I don't have that. I have only volunteers. So we work all over the world and we'll always be remote. But a lot of organizations, you know, they have to pay rent. Yeah. You have to pay staff. We need we need somebody to go out and do communications and marketing for us because if we don't, we can't do communications and marketing. People don't know the work that we do in the world. But nobody likes to pay for a staff member to post on social media, right? For a charitable organization, but yet we have to. So these are the ways that you can look at making contributions. That everyone's role within a charity makes a huge contribution. So how can you dig in and go? Yeah, let's help them with their their marketing and let's help them with you know, administration costs, whether we like it or not, we all got those things. So how yeah. can you dig in and direct your money and go, how can I really help? Because if you really asked us, we say, I need you to pay for my staff member that posts yeah. on social media, or I need you to pay my staff member that does our charitable donation and accounting for us, right? Yeah. We have to be able to support those roles in our organizations as well. Yeah, I see. So we, we moved a bit from fundraising, um, to your organization, which I find interesting too, because someone that listens can either be inspired to implement uh, giving uh, in their daily lives, mm -hmm. but they can also be inspired to set up a social enterprise or foundation at some point. Yeah. So can you give a bit more of an insight in your organization, the financial part, like how do you sustain it? And also yes. maybe uh, the movement building I'm also interested in. Yeah. So, you know, we are what's called a registered charity. So we work on donations only. Um, and so that takes time to go out and find partners. We're very blessed that we have a, a remarkable partner who gives us most of our funding just to keep us up and running every year. Um, and then we get donations from people, you know, through our website and through other fundraising um, opportunities. But we, we work mostly with what I call private donor or individual donations. Um, that's how we have made it work so far. 
uh, you know, for a lot of organizations, there's lots of other opportunities. I mean, you can look at a model like Tom's Shoes is always the great example where, you know, they they take the model of, you know, for a social enterprise is they make money, but they give. So every time you buy a pair of Tom's Shoes, one pair of shoes is donated. And that's become a very, very famous model now. They changed the, the landscape of what business looked like by doing that. Yeah. Um, and there's also the other model of the 1%. Um, and so a lot of companies and in India, there is an expectation that every company, and I think the number is 2%, that every company automatically gives 2% back. Um, and, and there is an automatic donation that's built into every, every company. So it really depends on where you live in the world, but how can you be part of um, that change where it 1% and listen whether you if you made a billion dollars and you gave 1% of your of your um business's profits of 1 billion dollars and you gave that i mean what a contribution you're making to the world around you um but even if you're small and you know your profit margins are small giving 1% that makes a difference as well so you really need to look at your company how are you setting up that everything you are doing starts with how do i give and you mm. choose a model that works best for you. Yeah. Um, but there's lots, there's so many beautiful examples um, and partnerships that you can make. For a lot of people, I know there's an organization out there right now. Um, and for a dollar, you plant a tree. So yeah. how is it that, let's say, I'll give the example. Let's say you sell eyeglasses. Every, do- every pair of eyeglasses at spot, what if a contribution of a dollar to plant a tree was given and you sell three or four or 5,000 pairs of glasses every year or more, you know, and that you're planting a tree with every pair of glasses. So that gives meaning to my purchase. And then that gives meaning to your business as well. I see. So you described different models. And in your case, uh, you, you receive uh, donations. Do you also charge fees to the schools? Because we everything we do is free. Ah, so you choose to do everything for free, and then everything is free. Yeah. yeah, we really our our mission is that we want to create no barriers for participation. So that's that's where we have always come from: is how do we make this possible for everyone? Which makes means that our programs are free for everyone. We encourage donations. You know, if you sign up and you and you become a member and you participate, you know, um, all of the resources that we give away. Uh, you know, we do it with the support of volunteers and obviously the donations that we get. But we wanted to make the cost of entry simple for everyone, which is to me free. You know, giving is free for everyone. We always say that it doesn't have to cost money to give. And so that's our whole model is that we're going to give away our knowledge, our resources, do whatever we can to help you participate. Um, and, and that's our contribution. I see. So everything, all the services are for free, but for your yep. backend, you try to raise uh, donations. Yes. And in terms of um, movement building, some organizations succeed like yours. And um, I assume some things happened like randomly or unexpectedly, but you yes. probably also have certain strategies. How do you build such a movement? Mm. A lot of luck and a lot of angels. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that. It, it's a lot of hard work if you want to know the truth. I always <laughs> say that I, I have angels on my back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when we first started 365 Give, listen, it's a lot of work. When I first started blogging every day, that was work. It was a commitment. Um, and, you know, as we've grown, this is now my full-time volunteer job. 
um, you know, I am a stay home uh, mom, but I do 365 give full time uh, on a volunteer basis. I'm very blessed. I have a lot of abundance in my life that allows me to do that. Um, but, you know, for anybody, it's, it's that, it's that little bit at a time. I think that's what 365 Give can show people is that, listen, we're in the middle of redoing, we're going to revamp our whole website. I put a lot of pressure on myself that it's got to be done by a certain date. But the reality is I just need to do a little bit every day and we're going to get there. And so it's for everyone is that if you can do a little bit of something to work towards a bigger goal every day, eventually you're going to get there, right? And so it takes it takes time and it takes patience. It takes grace um, for yourself and and for your volunteers and everyone that works around you. Um, but, you know, for us, it's, um, you know, our simple motivation is is for everyone that works with us is how do we just keep you know, moving forward and how do we keep moving that momentum? We use social media. I have a team of volunteers that that keep our social media running for us. I mean, just posting a few times a week takes time and energy, right? It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, uh, we, we have, we communicate with our members all the time. So we have a whole email campaign that we do. Um, you know, our TED Talk obviously was on the wings of angels. I mean, I, I can't even, I, 7 million views almost now. I can't even tell you how that happened. So when I say that it's been on, you know, we've had the the, <laughs> the wind on our back. We literally have. Um, and I think, I think as well is it's, it's going and knocking on doors. You know, if we want more schools to come on board, we knock on more doors. Um, we have an event that we do every year. It's called Do One Give Day. Um, and the schools have really gotten on board with Do One Give Day. It's a one-day event that just promotes the work that we do in the world. We ask everybody to use social media for social good. It's something simple everyone can do to give. Um, and that gives us a lot of momentum. So you just find the opportunities to gain momentum um, at all the areas. Listen, I have conversations with people like you. It's Saturday morning, you know, 7 a.m. for me. I would never very, say no. I would never very, say no. Very committed. I already noticed that. Yeah, absolutely. So anytime somebody asks me to talk about 365 Give, my answer is always yes. Always nice. yes. You know, no so matter what. what. So if I if I if one person listens to this, then great then I've done my job for the day. I, I see. So what I what I learned from this is it's it's hard work. It's it's a bit of uh, luck. It's consistency. But it's mm -hmm. also a clear message, right? It's like this uh, one give a day. It's easy to understand. Mm -hmm. uh, that probably helps it to, to spread. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I am curious. You mentioned the word life purpose earlier in this conversation. Um, it's an interesting question. Like, how do you discover your life purpose? I I, I tend I know, to feel I know this like one. <laughs> part of my purpose is maybe to help others to discover their purpose, but maybe there's still a hidden purpose that I need to discover. So I'm I'm still mm -hmm. learning about this. There is. You're way too young. You haven't quite found it yet. <laughs> and I'm still too young, right? Yeah, absolutely. I have to wait. Um, you know, in it. No, guys. I will. Uh, you know, I have such the perfect answer for this because. You know, I actually talk about this a lot because people ask me this. It's like, how did you figure this out? And I heard the, the most beautiful little short clip and Oprah was doing an interview um, with someone. And she said, you know, how do, how do you figure out that life purpose? And it's a combination of connecting dots and listening to the whispers, as I say. And so what you always need to do, and I've already started talking to my kids about this. I had a long chat with one of my kids last night at, 10 o'clock at night about this is 
you need to look at the things that light you up in your life. So if I look back over the course of my life, the things that have meant the most to me, the things that have motivated me the most with no financial inspiration, with nothing but, you know, has created happiness in my own life and my own world, it has always gone back to giving. Always. From the time I can remember from when I was a kid, the thing that lit me up the most, made me the most happiness, made me show up when I didn't have to. I didn't have to be somewhere. Nobody was paying me. It was always about giving back for me. And I can connect that right back to when I was like 10 years old. Mm. And when you start to look at your life from that scope, you stand back and you start to connect the dots of what made me happy, what made me really happy, what got me out of bed in the morning without ever setting an alarm, what made me um, excited to go, right, or to be somewhere or to show up, start connecting those dots for yourself. Nobody's paying you to do this right now, Jasper, right? So what are the things that I you show pay, I up pay for my gear? Exactly. Right. Nobody paid you to do that. Right. This was not motivated by money. So look at those things in your life. If, if only you are only being motivated financially, I would say potentially that's not your purpose. Mm-hmm. It's where you're showing up that you are happiness. I, you know, I have a 14 year old, my, my oldest is now 14 and I know the first snow of the year, he's going to be up out of his bed at 5 a.m. So he can be on the mountain on the snowboard as one of the very first people to hit the slopes, mm-hmm. right? For the very first run of the year. Yeah. He knows exactly with clarity that he wants to become a snowboarding coach this year. By the time he's 15, because that's a first chance, he's going to be a snowboard coach. He has had this clarity for four years now that he wanted to become a snowboard coach. And I know for him that that's the thing that gets him out of bed in the morning. He can't wait to teach kids how to snowboard. And so that's where you take a look at your life. I know for me, I'm up at four. People don't believe me. I'm up at 415, no alarm, almost every single day. Because I look at it as the opportunity that I can get in a couple of hours work on 365 Give before anybody else gets up in my family. That's my motivation right there. Nobody's paying me. Right. I don't have to do this. But every morning I get up and I work on 365 Give before anybody gets up in my family. It's it's my opportunity. It's like I'm excited to get up and get going. And that's 10 years. So that's my motive. Like, that's how I know it's my purpose. I see. So you're it's about connecting the dots. It's about listening to the whisper, looking into things that you don't do for for money. You mentioned something happened when you were 10. What happened at the time? Mm. How do I explain this one? So my father, being a doctor, he used to um, he used to do these uh, these weekends where he volunteered his time um, to help uh, people that were very ill that were his patients. Um, he worked uh, with people that were hemophiliacs, and hemophiliacs are people that when you get a, a cut or an injury, your blood does not automatically clot. So you can literally bleed out. It's a very Mm -hmm. serious disease. And that's where he focused a lot of his energy. And so he used to put on these weekends a couple of times a year. And he'd always drag me along. I'd have to go because he would be there all weekends. And I lived with my father and my parents were divorced. And so I'd have to go there. And so he always gave me a job to do, a task. And I would help in one area of this weekend. It would be my job to help people. And I loved it. 
I absolutely loved it. I looked forward to it. I couldn't wait for these weekends. I'd always find a really meaningful, purposeful job where I could help people. Um, and it, lit, it turned on that little light in me. Right. And it was a, it was my opportunity that even at the age of 10, it was my volunteer job. And I realized I was good at it and I could bring happiness to other people. And it just turned on that little light. Right. And that's the way that we can look at it. I asked this is a great example. I asked Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote the book, A Conversation with God and 39 other books. And I had a conversation with him this week and I and I asked him and I said, what's love? I said, not love like an exchange between human beings, but what is love beyond this human exchange we have? And he said, love to me is like a light bulb. He said, and it is that beautiful, warm glow that turns on inside of you. That is divine love. That for some people, they would call it God love. The love that is innately who we are inside of ourselves, And he said, it's like that light bulb that turns on and just makes you feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. And to me, when you feel that light bulb go on inside of yourself, not only is that love, but that's your purpose. That's where you can find love, life meaning um, and where you can really start to follow your path of what you're supposed to do in this world. And that's how I follow my path for 365 Give and so much more that I do in this world. That's why I talk about happiness. That's why I educate people. I take the time like this so that people can understand how you can start to turn on your own light bulb, how you can find purpose and well-being um, and love in your own life. Mm. But love has to be practiced. If you want love in your life, you need to practice love. And, and you need to practice every day. That's uh, easy. You, that's you give good. every day. giving is love and action giving is taking the love in your heart putting it into your hands and giving it out to the world so if you want more love in your life give every day because giving is love and action when you practice love you become love it becomes who you are innately and naturally in your life I see. So you can practice love and you can find your life purpose through also uh, going inward and, and finding your light bulb. What gives you it's all there. It's all right here. That's a problem. Everybody's looking for it outside here right now somewhere. Yeah. It's but none of it's out here. It's all here. It's all in here. Maybe, maybe I will get closer to it through these conversations, right? But then I'm mm-hmm. still looking. No, no, you just got to listen. Stop looking. Yeah. Start yeah. listening. But here's the cool thing is that when you start listening and the the listening is, is that feeling inside of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Those goosebump moments, right? That we have in our life. When you start listening, then you will see it, Mm -hmm. right? And it will show up in other ways. So that beautiful explanation about light bulbs that I just gave you, I'll let you know that light bulbs have been showing up in my life in Mm -hmm. so many ways through conversations like the one I told you about, through actual physical representations of light bulbs in different areas that I've been digging into. And so I can see it, right? It's that, it's the visual reminder that I'm, I'm following my heart's calling right now. And Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is I keep seeing it in light bulbs. Some people see it in angel numbers, right? You might see it in the numbers that you see, but when you start listening to your heart, it will show up in a visual representation in the world around you. And you just got to be in tune to it and you'll see it and you'll see it over and again. And then you'll go, Oh, there's the light bulb. Oh, there's light bulb or or, there's the butterfly or there's the hummingbird or there's the dragonfly or there's the angel numbers. My son does it in angel numbers every day. He sees them. 
every day, yeah. two, 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 one, 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 you know, five, 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 whatever it is. He sees it everywhere, but that's, you start here and then it shows up in your visual representation. Yeah. So it's listening and then you visually see it uh, in front yeah. of you. It will be your confirmation. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's fascinating. And this, this interviews that I'm doing, they, they come really naturally. It's like, I just really enjoy doing it. Uh, so have you been enjoying things? Like, can you elaborate one of these dots? Because you said connecting the dots. But what, what were these different dots before you came here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think for me, listen, that TED Talk is a great example, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell everybody a little bit about that TED Talk. Um, and so that TED Talk, first of all, was not supposed to be called How to Be Happy Every Day, It Will Change the World. That was never the title. Um, the title was like the 365 Give Challenge. It was really about the work that I did in the world. Um, and that TED Talk is a beautiful example that that was a series of synchronicities, you know, which I believe that there's no synchronicities. That's just, that's the world lining everything up for you perfectly. That TED Talk came to be because I was in the gym. There was a gentleman who was in his 80s on a piece of equipment that I needed to use. I was in a hurry and he was like stretching on it. And I'm like, do you mind if we do this? Can I get my exercise in while, you know, take turns? And in that moment, I met that man. I had never met him before. I've been going to the same gym for a decade. And in that moment, him and me and that gentleman started a conversation. He started calling me Ted. And I started seeing him in the gym every day after that. And he started calling me Ted. He asked me what I did in the world. I told him about 365 Give. And he said, oh, you should do a TED Talk. It had never even been on my radar ever. And so he started, every time he saw me, he'd call me Ted. And within eight weeks, he had introduced me to a speaking coach. And within eight weeks, I landed that TED Talk. And I never even had it on my radar. It was never even in my plan. Mm. And that TED Talk put me in the ground, on the ground, in tears for the stress and anxiety. Oh. It was such a big leap for me. It was, it was a talk I'd never talked. I talked in front of a lot of people at that point, and a lot of kids, and a lot of schools, and you know, in the work that I did. But you know, doing a TED talk, it's structured, it's me- memorized. It's you got to be really become really clear on what you do and how you can express that. And how you can engage people. And I had never spoken that way before. And so the, the stress and anxiety that it caused me, but the gift that it was, because I almost quit so many times. Mm. But I would look at my kids and go, if I quit, I'm showing them that when things get really hard, you can just quit. And I'm like, I'm not going to quit. Even if I get on that stage and in front of 3,000 people and I completely blow it, at least I didn't quit. And I tried my absolute damnedest. And so I trusted, I had to trust in the universe that I was going in the right direction. And I'll I'll share with you that two weeks before I did that TED talk, I was asked to do the talk in front of 300 people to one of the sponsors of the event. And I got up in front of those 300 people and I completely froze. I froze. I forgot the talk. I didn't do it. It was a disaster. It was a complete and total mess. And in two weeks, I had to fix it. And I did. And on the day of that talk, I stood on that stage. And I've never been at such peace in my entire life. 
I felt like it was an out-of-body experience. I didn't miss a beat. I didn't miss a word. I stood on there and I felt like I was completely and totally one with the audience. And I felt like I was surrounded by angels. And I had never had such a beautiful moment um, of connection in my entire life. And so did I ever know I was going to, you know, end up having that many views and do all of the things that I've done? Absolutely not. But I had to trust in my ability. I had to trust that I was going in the right direction. I had to get beyond my fear and my self of I was not enough. I wasn't good enough to do this. I, I wasn't worthy enough of standing on the stage and sharing our story to truly believing in every fiber of who I was that I could do it and that this message and go back to my original why I do 365 give if I could touch just one person in my message and they did one thing to give then I was standing in my true purpose and reason why I'm here on this planet and so that changed everything for me and it made my message clear. Now I can talk about this message with such clarity. And so in connecting that dot, now I can connect every time I speak, everywhere I go, every person I've been connected to, from Neil Donald Walsh to the HeartMath Institute to you today right here, these are the dots I connect every time. And I make sure that I stand back far enough in deep gratitude, in wonder, in awe, in holy crap, I'm so blessed to do what I do in the world. See, that's a great, great example how that's uh, a very important thought. And um, I, I was at Mind Valley University recently and there was a, a guy, he's a speaker coach, and, and the session was called One Talk Away. Mm-hmm. And his message was, you're one talk away from accelerating your career or accelerating your message or your purpose. And yeah. I think what you're saying it's, it's it's similar because you had now had this talk and you had to practice a lot you had to move beyond your fears but then suddenly you became so clear about what it was actually that you wanted to say right and and yeah. then it, it it accelerated yeah and that continues for me every day because i'm blessed i i don't uh, i don't know if you're aware of the new social app called clubhouse but it's an audio app And the beautiful thing about people, I love that your one talk away is because when you open up what's called your throat chakra, so your energy system in your throat, and you can stand in a place where you're standing from the core of who you are. So you're standing in your truth. You're coming from your heart and you're coming from your heart chakra. You let those words come through you know, your power center of your throat chakra, all of a sudden you're sharing your heart with the world with clarity and with ease. And every time you do it, you're standing in your truth of who you are. So every time I talk about 365 give, or I talk about happiness, or I talk about coming from a place of heart with intention, that that allows me to stand in what I call, people call it authenticity. I call it standing in your truth. And so when you stand in your truth over and over and over again, and you allow that to flow through you in all parts of yourself, then that just solidifies who you are, who you are, who you truly are, and your authentic self, as people call it. But I just say it's the truth of who you are. And so I love that, that you brought that up, because speaking about it and becoming clear on your message, whatever you're doing in the world, 
um, really helps that. It allows you to stand in your truth and stand in your truth and stand in your truth. So I have done it 10,000 times. So I'm really clear on that now. It's like my own daily practice of standing in my true authentic self and giving that out to the world every day. I see. So you have your own truth and now it it transforms into kind of this initiative and a movement, but it starts with your own yeah. So I, and, th- there's no hiding behind this for me anymore. It just no. is who I am. Right? It just is who you are, right? Yeah. And it, yeah. I can imagine it's scary because I really love this teacher and he has this retreat where you join with 40 people and you work for five days on your talk. And mm-hmm. I was inspired to join, but I'm like, ah, it's too early for me. It's too early for me, um, uh, which, which is also okay. Uh, but how did it happen to you? you? You were kind of forced to do it or someone said in eight weeks you're going can you remind me again how it happened yeah well you know i used to i told you about my business earlier and that i used to you know raise money and so you know through that business i ended up sitting on board of directors for different charitable organizations i ended up being in front of people speaking on a regular basis about the charitable organization that i was there supporting so that's one of my strengths and that's what i innately learned about myself at an early age is that speaking in front of people is one of my strengths. I was born to speak in front of people. And I knew that from the time I was in grade four, when I did my first, you know, classroom, get up in front of the classroom and say a speech. I knew that so early in my life. And that was fostered a lot through my, through my grandmother as well. So I know it's one of my strengths, you know, for example, I'll give a great example. Some people, their strength is going to school right? Getting an education, getting a PhD, a master's, like that's their jam. That was never my jam. Getting up and speaking in front of people, that's my strength. And I've known that for a long time. I'm very comfortable getting up and speaking in front of people. So that's one way that I can create effective change is speaking in front of people um, and, and understanding that. So, you know, we all need to figure out what our strengths are in our life. We can grow strengths, we can build strengths, but, you know, speaking is an art without a doubt. And that takes time and practice. Um, and to really be able to, again, I'm going to go back to that, listen to what's coming from here. You can't connect with other people if you're not speaking from here. If you're just speaking from a script or words that you're reading that you didn't write or don't, don't connect from your heart, you're not going to connect with your audience. But I know I have a great ability to be able to do that. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's what people need to look at for themselves is where are your strengths? You know, maybe your strengths is writing. Writing's not my strength. You know, I can do it. It's not my strength. It's not, you know, where, you know, uh, naturally comes from me. So look at those natural things that come from you. And you're going to learn this through podcasting, right? Yeah. And that may just be bringing out the best in people, asking the right questions. That was Oprah's gift, right? Oprah's gift was, is her ability to connect with other people, ask the right questions. She does some phenomenal talks on, that's what she learned about herself. Her beautiful ability was that she always came from a place that matched her guests and her audience. She was able to connect with them in a way that made them feel like they were brought into her family and her inner circle. And that was her gift, right? And so maybe that's going to be yours is that you bring out the best in others through the questions and the connections that you make with people. That's what I, um, what I really do like to do. I really love to coach social entrepreneurs and also to provide people with a, with a stage. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely find that out more during the, um, 
during the podcast. And um, to, to summarize what, what you're saying, I, I hear you saying two different things. So you have truth. It's kind of your own truth, your own message, what you care about, what you stand for. And then you have your strength, maybe how you deliver that truth, whether it's through speaking, through writing, through questioning. And these are two different... Whatever. Music, right? It could be music. It could be okay. art. It could be all of those things, right? Yeah. Where's your creative juice? Where's your jam? Speaking I is actually it. my creative jam, believe it or not. It, it, yeah, it is. And so these are two different processes, kind of. And I, I feel mm-hmm. when, when, when they're connected, then suddenly you can... Uh, fly yeah no completely and totally and that will be where you find meaning and purpose in your life and it isn't just about giving but what you will find is that when you when those two things come together and you're truly giving your of yourself in whatever form that is and it's like my dad great example his jam was being a doctor he knew that was clarity for him he loved what he did and he dedicated his life to it and he knew that was his strength so you know whether it's that it's being a lawyer it's whatever that is just make sure that you are doing exactly what makes you happy what turns on the bell where you just can't wait to to get up and go every day because you love how you show up in the world listen that can be a social media influencer for that for that reason right yeah Um, that can be a youtuber that could be being a gamer youtuber like all those roles that people have you can see the love of what they do come through it's it's true. A lot of influencers are just like very passionate people that they yeah. felt for something. I feel it's really inspiring what you're what you're saying. I I want to know a bit more. So you're speaking, but you're also interviewing at Clubhouse, mm-hmm. right? So can you share mm-hmm. a bit about your Clubhouse activities and who you talk with and why? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Clubhouse has been an interesting platform for me. And originally when I went there and it was really popular during the lockdowns because it was an opportunity to interact with people right from home. Right. So it's only audio. Um, but you can get up on a stage in Clubhouse and speak pretty much any time. And so I always thought it was an opportunity for me to kind of spread my message about 365 Give. And as much as it has been, without a doubt, what it's really been is an opportunity to um, to both speak and do interviews with people and have conversations about what just so much about what we're talking about today is helping people um find their true self, connecting to love and the power of love, connecting to their heart, standing in their own truth, helping them understand um, health and wealth and well-being and regulation, um, helping them really find and step into their best life. And so we do that through so many different conversations. But one of the things we've been recently been doing Uh, And I do this with a friend of mine um, who's a neuroscientist. So we're kind of a really neat mix that I'm the really kind of spiritual guru, um, (laughs) you know, giving happy person. And she's like the brilliant neuroscientist that helps you understand how your biology works with all of this and how we can use both sides of ourselves, both our, our spiritual side and our biological side to live our best lives. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we do interviews, people like Neil Donald Walsh. Um, we're looking forward to bringing uh, Michael Beckwith. Um, Heart Math is one. So we continue to bring uh, Dr. Stephen Post, who um, has the only Institute for Unconditional Love here on our planet. Um, we continue to bring people and we'll be bringing people to the platform to have these conversations to help people understand how they can access their best life to really have the best human experience that 
they can help them tap into their their happiness and that sense of peace and joy in their lives. Um, so that's really what we do on clubhouses is how do we help facilitate and give people tools and strategies to tap into their own conscious awareness and um, elevate their own human experience. So they're living their best lives in whatever ways they can. Mm, that's, that's really beautiful. And, and do you store or save these conversations or they're just in the moment? They're just live. Um, most of them. No, all of ours are recorded. You can go into clubhouse and you can, um, once you sign up and uh, you connect um, with me, uh, I keep all of our best recordings and the ones that I want to keep, they're all kept in my bio. So you can go back and you can listen to the, to the recordings. Mm. That's, that's yeah, but beautiful. we'll have thousands of people come through. It's a really beautiful opportunity for us to have to to affect change in a lot of people in a short period of time. Because we may have one or two thousand people come through um, our space and participate in the conversations, um, and we could do that every day if we chose. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing of clubhouse that you can instantly share this uh, this wisdom. Well, it has mm. been so inspiring. Uh, listen to your. Uh, story so many new insights especially that you can give every day and that doesn't need to be this huge uh, thing you don't need to be at the board of a foundation and yeah. no you don't really and that's what we talked about right giving is at the heart of who we are and that's what i really always want to let people know when you come from your place of heart your true authentic self you will actually automatically and naturally give because it's who we are yeah yeah so that's uh very very insightful it makes me think if i'm giving enough already but i think the more the more you practice the more you become aware right at a daily daily basis so yeah, but it's there, not it's uh, not about giving enough right just remember that it's not about not giving enough don't compare uh, yourself to me this is my life purpose not yours right so yeah. it's not about giving enough is have i come with intention and heart to the world today have i done one small thing to give every day it's never about have i done enough it's have i done anything have i done something today yeah no matter how small that's a good uh good to remind and you have you can check it off for today you and i, I can check it off yeah check it off your list today did it <laughs> i think um it was a beautiful conversation is there anything else that you want to share with the listener as a final remark or or sharing you know what listen listen to the whispers every time you get a goosebump you know just recognize it become aware of what you're feeding yourself in all areas of your life you know how who you surround yourself with what are you consuming on social media you know we talk about your energetic algorithm in your life and as much as we talk about algorithms on instagram and facebook and you know what's showing up in your feeds really look at that if you're consuming too much negativity that's what your algorithm is in your own life how can you start to shift that algorithm how can you start to feed yourself positivity how can you feed it on every algorithm you create what are you listening to what are you looking at what are you feeding yourself who are you surrounding yourself with because when you start to change the algorithm on your life you start to change the way you perceive, the way you look at life, the lens in which you view it, and then everything will change. Positivity will find you. It will come to you. That's how the energy works in our world. And when you give it away with no expectation of anything in return, it will naturally start coming back to you. Wow. 
thank you very much for that uh, piece of You're wisdom welcome. and for your time today. And everyone that listens, thank you very much. And um, see you soon, hopefully. Have a beautiful day on purpose.